Chapter Twelve of the Albert Gate Mystery by Lewis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Twelve, The Innkeeper. The fair ground of Montmartre was in full swing when Brett arrived there. The cabaret noir was in charge of his former acquaintance, the weary-eyed waiter, and other assistants. The barrister wondered whether Mademoiselle Bouquet had taken her father completely into her confidence. To make certain, he questioned the waiter. "'Is Monsieur Bouquet in?' he said. "'But yes, monsieur. You will find him in the billiard-room.' This time Brett was not conducted through the private passage that led through the rear of the bar. The man politely indicated another entrance, and brought him to the proprietor with the introductory remark, "'A gentleman who wishes to see you.' The room was tenanted by a nondescript crowd, whose attention was promptly attracted by the appearance of a stranger and a well-dressed one at that. The games in progress at the two tables were momentarily suspended, whilst Grosjean, a corpulent man above the middle height, whose legs seemed to be too frail to support his rotund body, advanced, peering curiously beneath his bushy eyebrows to get a glimpse of the newcomer, for the shaded light did not fall on Brett's features, and Monsieur Beaucaire wondered who the stranger could be. The barrister almost started when he recognized his fellow-passenger, the man who travelled to Paris with Gautier and himself. Grandjean bowed politely enough, and murmured something about being at Brett's service. "'Oh, it is nothing of great importance,' said Brett airily, as he was not anxious to attract too much observation from the unwashed humanity who took such interest in him." I merely wish to know when it will be convenient for me to have some conversation with Mademoiselle, your charming daughter. May I inquire the reason, monsieur? said the other. Certainly. I have heard of her skills as an artist, and it is possible I may be able to arrange a London engagement for her. Ah, said the landlord depreciatingly. What a pity! Had Monsieur called here yesterday, he could have seen Mademoiselle. She has now left Paris for some weeks. Perhaps, said Brett, I may have the pleasure of meeting her elsewhere. I myself depart to-morrow on a tour in the south of France. It is possible that Mademoiselle may be employed in some of the southern cities. If so, I will certainly make it my business to call on her. Beaucaire came a step nearer. Certainly he did not recall the barrister's face. He knew well that his daughter's attainments were not such as to command the eager search of London theatrical managers, yet he was assured that the individual who now addressed him was not an ordinary music-hall agent hunting up fees. He lowered his voice after an angry glance at the loungers in the room, which caused them to turn to the tables with redoubled interest. "'I regret,' he said, "'that Mademoiselle is not professionally engaged at this moment. Indeed, she has not appeared in public for some months. 
may i ask how monsieur came to hear of her name it is the easiest matter in the world said brett with his ready smile producing his notebook and rapidly turning over the leaves i have here the names and addresses of a large number of artists whom i was recommended to visit mademoiselle's name was given to me among others at the cirque d'hiver where i heard most encouraging accounts of her skill you see monsieur he went on that in england the public are not acquainted with any other language than their own and when continental artists are engaged we prefer those whose performance consists chiefly of acrobatic or other feats in which dialogue is unnecessary the barrister's ready explanation was sufficient nevertheless beaucaire was puzzled but even the most vulgar or brutal frenchman is endowed with a certain amount of politeness and in this instance grosjean felt that his visitor should be treated deferentially i am most sorry he cried to be unable to assist monsieur any further if however you leave me your address i will communicate with you after i have heard from my daughter i have no doubt that she will readily come to terms i think you said that mademoiselle was in the south of france observed brett casually instantly beaucaire became suspicious again no he replied shortly i do not think i said so of course not laughed brett how foolish of me it was i who mentioned the south of france was it not you see that french is a foreign language to me and i do not express myself very easily beaucaire grinned politely again permit me to congratulate monsieur upon both his pronunciation and facility not many englishmen speak french as he does the barrister was determined not to allow the conversation to end too rapidly he wished to note more carefully the details of this interesting household pulling out his cigar-case he offered it to grosjean with the remark your small french tables seem curious to my eyes after long acquaintance with english billiards are any of these gentlemen here skilled players in your fashion oh yes said the innkeeper andre here for instance can make big breaks i have seen him make forty consecutive coups will you not take a seat for a little while and observe the play with pleasure and brett confirmed the favourable opinion formed of him by ordering refreshments for beaucaire and himself and inviting the redoubtable andre to join them he apparently took a keen interest in the game and applauded the manner in which the frenchman scored a series of difficult cannons meanwhile he noted that between the private passage from the bar and the public one that led from the cafe was a room into which the light of day could not possibly penetrate he was certain that no door communicated with it from the public passage and he could not remember having passed one that first afternoon when la belle chasseuse brought him and fairholm into the billiard-room to display her prowess as a markswoman it was certainly a curious apartment and for some undefinable reason he could not prevent his mind from dwelling upon its possible uses probably the cafe noir had no cellars 
the place might serve as a store-room this natural hypothesis was upset by the appearance of the waiter who passed through the billiard-room and opened another door at the further end through which he soon emerged carrying a fresh supply of bottles it is obvious said brett to himself that if there is no door communicating with the private passage then the only way in which that room can be reached is by a letter from the top now i wonder why that should be necessary he remained in the billiard-room some twenty minutes when gros jean was called on some momentary errand to the front of the house he took his departure purposely making the mistake of quitting the room by the wrong exit at the same instant he struck a match to relight his cigar and while the expert billiard-player andre ran after him to direct him as to the right way he rapidly surveyed the passage the plaster walls were smooth and unbroken on their inner side affording no doorway exit apologizing to andre with a laugh he then sauntered towards the front cafe where he purchased another drink at the counter he assured himself that he had not been mistaken the only private door out of the bar led into the passage so that the room beyond could only be reached by a staircase or through a trap-door i have learned something at any rate he murmured as he passed out into the boulevard and i imagine that my knowledge is not shared by the paris police mademoiselle would have acted more wisely had she not yielded to impulse and reserved her shooting display for a more dramatic occasion brett kept his appointment with the commissary next morning that worthy official set himself to the congenial task of examining a prisoner with the air of one who said now you will see what manner of man i am here i am on my native heath he consulted bulky volumes made notes fussily called up various subordinates both in person and by speaking-tube and generally conducted himself with a business-like air that much amused the barrister who however for his own purposes took care to appear greatly impressed at last all was ready and the captive of the rue barbette was introduced this precocious personage had recovered his self-possession and natural imprudence during the night by the commissary's instructions he had been well supplied with eatables and the restrictions as to persons under detention were relaxed to permit him to enjoy a supply of his much-loved cigarettes the first part of the interrogation which promptly ensued was not strange to him your name said the commissary charles petit age believed to be twenty-seven but as no record was kept of my birth i cannot be certain abode changeable of late i have dwelt in the cabaret noir boulevard de montmartre you are generally known as the warm that is so you have served several periods of imprisonment and have paid over four hundred francs in fines i have not kept count but i suppose it is all written down there and he jerked his thumb towards the conviction book on the commissary's desk 
you are a noted thief and you obtained your nickname by reason of your dexterity in picking locks and climbing through scullery windows if you say so monsieur your words cannot be disputed very well the commissary scratched a few lines on a memorandum tablet then he suddenly raised his quick eyes and fastened them on the prisoner with the direct question how came you to be detained in such an extraordinary manner in the house number eleven rue barbette yesterday a vacant and stolid expression intended to convey an idea of utter innocence came over the warm's face believe me monsieur he said i cannot give you the slightest explanation of that extraordinary incident indeed you surprise me i suppose you wish me to understand that you casually strolled in out of the street and were set upon by three turks who gagged you and bound you with leather thongs leaving you to starve quietly to death if you had not been rescued by reason of a chance visit paid to the place by myself and others i assure you monsieur that strange as it may seem you have almost related the facts i went to the place in question with a very ordinary message from a turkish gentleman with whom i have a slight acquaintance the other turks listened to me with the gravity peculiar to their nation and then before i could offer a word of remonstrance treated me exactly as you saw at what time did you get there it must have been nearly three o'clock the day before yesterday was the answer and what message did you bring i was told to ask the turkish gentleman to be good enough to cross the pont neuf exactly at half-past six when they would meet a friend who desired to give some information to them oh come now said the commissary with a knowing smile that will not do pity you are far too old a hand to convey such a childish message as that what reason can you have for seeking to shield these men who treated you in a barbarous way and left you to die a cruel death on my honour began the chief melodramatically but brett here interrupted the conversation will you allow me he said to the commissary to put a few questions to this man certainly was the answer now listen said brett sternly gazing at the truculent little rascal with those searching eyes of his which seemed to reach to the very spine it is useless for you to attempt any further prevarication we know exactly who are your confederates we are acquainted with a large number of the gang that frequents the cafe noir do not forget that i was present when you tried to palm off on hussein al mulk the false diamonds which your confederates hoped he would accept for you to attempt now to escape from the law is hopeless the sole chance you have of remitting a punishment which may even lead you beneath the guillotine is to confess fully and freely all that you know concerning the outrage which has been committed no don't interrupt me he continued with even greater emphasis when le ver tried to break in 
you will tell me that you merely acted as the agent of others and that you yourself are not conscious of the nature of any crime that has been committed i know that to be so you have been made a mere tool you are the cat simply employed by the monkey to pull the chestnuts out of the fire and you have only succeeded in getting your own paws burned your sole chance of safety now is to inform the commissary and me exactly how you came to be mixed up with this affair the frenchman's truculency seemed to vanish under brett's cutting words his wizened face even manifested a faint flush of anger as the barrister pointed out how he had been duped by his employers and made to run risks which they avoided yet the order of his craft was strong in its influence and he commenced another series of protestations i assure you gentlemen he cried that with respect to the turks i have no knowledge whatever of their pursuits or motives i was present when this english gentleman here was debating with them and i understood that they even went so far as to use threats against him my mission was to give to the leaders of the turks a package which i did not even know contained diamonds either genuine or false no one could be more surprised than myself when the turkish gentleman produced them who sent you there with these diamonds said brett even that i cannot tell you said pity it was a mere chance affair i was seated in a cafe sipping some absinthe when a man asked me if i would execute a small commission for him he explained that it was to deliver a parcel at a house not five minutes distant and-i see interrupted brett with the cynical smile which so often disconcerted glib liars like pity it is hopeless to expect you to tell the truth however i think i know a way to clear your wits you must be brought face to face with la belle chasseuse perhaps when you are confronted with that lady in the room between the cafe and the billiard saloon of the cabaret noir the worm gasped out brokenly pardon monsieur i will tell you everything the man's face had absolutely become livid as he listened to the barrister's words the commissary was vastly surprised at the turn taken by the conversation he could not guess what deep significance lay behind the englishman's threat and to tell the truth brett himself was considerably astonished at the effect of his vague insinuations but he lost not a moment in following up the advantage thus gained well he said tell us now who it was that sent you to the turks with the diamonds it was le jongleur henri dubois what cried the commissary starting violently henri dubois the most expert thief in france a scoundrel against whom the police have vainly tried for years to secure evidence i know nothing of that monsieur said the little man who seemed to be strangely crestfallen but i am telling you the truth this time it was he who sent me the day before yesterday to the rue barbette and again yesterday although i was very unwilling to go the second time because as this gentleman will tell you they looked very like murdering me on the first occasion what was the object of your visit yesterday said brett 
there monsieur i have told you the truth although monsieur the commissary here thinks it was childish my instructions really were to ask them to meet him on the pont neuf at six thirty p m when he said he would explain everything to their satisfaction but above all i was to warn them to beware of the englishman then why would they seize and gag you for conveying such a simple message demanded the commissary i cannot tell i have done them no harm believe me gentlemen both i have not the slightest idea how these diamonds were obtained or why there should be such a fuss about them all i know is that these turks are desperate fellows and you won't catch me going near them again i swear how long have you known dubois said brett oh two years more or less have you ever been associated with him before never monsieur my record is there and he again jerked his thumb towards the volume on the table it will tell you that i deal in small affairs dubois is an artist if he found a woman's purse in the street he would return it to her with a bow if she were rich and handsome and with some france added if she were poor i know little about him he continued except that he is a great man they say that he once robbed the bank of france for two hundred thousand francs and the little wretch's voice became tremulous with admiration as he recounted the legend he is a favoured lover of la belle chasseuse demanded brett sharply the worm recovered his equanimity somewhat at this question he softly drew his hand over his chin as he replied with a smirk there are others i think not came the quick retort no there are none on whom mademoiselle bestows such favours she left paris with him last night the devil ejaculated the little man oh yes and she has just passed a fortnight with him in london a thousand thunders screamed pity her father told me she was performing in a music hall at marseilles the barrister had evidently touched a sore point and the worm was more ready than ever to tell all that he knew about le jongleur but his information amounted to little more of importance the chief fact had been ascertained its predominant interest was the identity of the man who had planned and carried out the albert gate outrage brett quickly realized that to question him further was useless pity evidently expected to be set at liberty at once in this however he was disappointed for the commissary curtly remanded him to the cells brett on the other hand made up his mind that the worm at liberty might be more valuable to him than the worm in gaol so he asked the commissary as a favour to himself to set petit free first giving the thief to understand that he owed his release to the barrister's intervention this was done and le Ver was voluble in his expressions of gratitude brett soon cut him short here he said are a couple of louis for your immediate necessities i am living at the grand hotel and i want you to call there each morning at ten o'clock you will inquire at the office if mr brett has left any message for you then if i need your services 
I will be able to reach you early. Petit protested that he would serve Monsieur most willingly, and soon afterwards the barrister took leave of the commissary, promising to keep him fully posted as to further developments, and secure for him, and him only, the ultimate credit of capturing such a noted thief as Dubois. Fate settled matters differently. The French official was already much impressed by Brett's method of handling this difficult inquiry, and he consented readily enough not only to assist him in every possible way, but to restrain the police from further active interference in the case until matters had developed from their present stage. During the afternoon Brett received a visit from his actor acquaintance, who brought him a telegram from Marseille. It read, Mademoiselle Beaucaire has obtained an engagement here at the Palais de Glace. She makes her first appearance on Monday evening. Brett smiled as he realized how accurately he had interpreted the actions of La Belle Chasseuse and her companion. This is certain, he said to himself. They left Paris on Thursday night, and they probably will not reach Marseille until Monday. I have plenty of time to hear Talbot's story from his own lips before I take my departure for the South. An hour later he was seated in his room smoking and reading a magazine when the waiter appeared. A lady and three gentlemen wish to see monsieur, he explained. He rose promptly and accompanied the man to the foot of the staircase. There, near the elevator, he saw Edith Talbot, Lord Fairholme, and Sir Hubert Fitzjames, whilst with them was a tall, handsome young man, in whom the fair outlines of the girl's face were repeated in sterner and bolder characteristics. Edith was the first to catch sight of him. She sprang forward and cried with an impulsiveness that showed how deeply her quiet nature had been stirred. Oh, Mr. Brett, I cannot tell you how grateful I am to you. Here is my brother. The two men shook hands and looked at each other with a natural curiosity, for seldom had an acquaintance been made after more exciting preliminaries. I am indeed glad to see you, said Brett, shaking Talbot's hand with more demonstrativeness than was usual to one of his quiet temperament. "'Then how shall I find words to express myself?' was the reply. "'For in my case there is joined to the pleasure of making a much-desired acquaintance the knowledge that to your efforts I am indebted for my liberty and possibly for my reputation.' "'We have much to say to each other,' said the barrister. "'I suppose you have secured rooms in the hotel?' he continued, turning to Miss Talbot. "'Oh, yes, everything is settled.' she cried. The servants are looking after our trunks. I simply would not wait a moment until I had seen you. Please take us all somewhere at once where we can talk quietly. Brett answered with a smile. Lord Fairholme and I have a sitting-room which we use in common, and which has already been the scene of many earnest conferences. Let us go there. End of chapter 12